Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Concrete Promotions and Entertainment presents A Night Out with Genuine. Close and personal ballroom style. Friday night, November 17th, 7.30 p.m. Concrete Entertainment Complex at the Shaw Center. One Feinberg Way in Brockton, Mass. General admission, standing room only. With VIP seating, VIP bar, and finger food. And plenty of parking available. Genuine is coming to Brockton, the city of champions. Friday night, November 17th, 7.30 p.m. Dress codes enforced. No sportswear allowed. Get your tickets now at ConcretePromotions.com, the Shaw Center, Brockton, and Eventbrite.com. More info at 617-391-7181, extension 192. Uh Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth, drafting the circuits, three-way theater, or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is a boot. Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. Hear the dead MC flying at my feet. It took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, my better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock that uh. up. Crack the cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldier's when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. You grow up in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom Came a noise from the other room It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew They got us locked up for lyrical murder It's one of them charges that you never heard of It's the booth The booth The booth The booth Yeah, it's the booth The booth The booth yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to The Booth. And guess what, people? 
You are not waking up on the wrong day. It is Thursday, October 12th. Uh, we had an issue here on Tuesday night, like, I want to say probably about 45 minutes before we were to go live on the air. All of a sudden, the lights flickered and blinked, and all of a sudden, people were talking about they lost power. Um, I believe what ended up happening was was there was an issue at one of the substations nearby, and um, it knocked power out. 4,000 people were without power till about 9.30, maybe 9.45 at night. Um, luckily for me, I'm on the hospital grid, so I never usually, I never lose power of all my time living on this street. Um, but I did lose internet and I didn't have internet until almost when I was going back to work. So, um, the only reason why I knew it was a pretty big issue was because we were all sitting here. We were actually getting ready to go on the air and, um, we were getting stuff together and, you know, like pre-production type stuff. And, um, when the lights flickered, I'm like, uh oh, and then I hit Ken up and then Ken, who was like. Ken's about a mile away. Ken says, hey, you know, my lights here, too, also went. Now, I officially had thought that somebody had hit a pole, you know, like a car accident. But then when Ken said um, it was all the way over by him, that was also, you know, power issues. And then the wife called. She was at the nail salon, and they had issues, which was also, you know, about a mile away. Um, then I realized this was bigger than, you know, what we thought, and then that's when we decided to delay the show and postpone it to today, which is Thursday, drive time, 4 o'clock. A little bit different, guys. It's 4 o'clock, drive time. Some people may have their, their MP3 players or iPhones or whatever plugged into their aux, you know, their aux cord plugged into the radio or Bluetooth connected to the radio, and they're driving home right now a 93 or a 95 or 128 or whatever they drive down there where you are. Robert, what's it, uh, 95 down there also? Yeah, 95 or the turnpike. There you go. So, you know, those people that are making that ride home, you're getting a little bit of a booth on the on the Thursday night drive home. And hopefully you stick around on Hoobazoo because you also have Oscar Mike Radio that's going to be on at uh, 8 o'clock and 8.30 because he's actually, actually replaying his show from last week with Mistress Carrie. And then you have Drafting the Circuits, which is following that. So uh, you guys are blessed to have us here on the Thursday night. Got a lot to talk about. Actually, it's kind of nice to have that delay because we've had some things that have happened in the last couple of days that we would have missed talking about because we would have been on Tuesday night. So what we had is uh, right out the gate, we've had um, Eminem, who everybody knows. I know there's no explanation needed to let people know who Eminem is. And in my mind, he's one of the greatest lyricists of all times, you know, and I, and I don't see color there. This is, this kid has proved himself. He's been accepted for a long time in the rap game. Um, but he's very, he's been very vocal about Trump and, this past week was the uh, the BET Hip Hop Awards, and they have this thing where they call a cipher. And you've got a lot of these new school rappers, mumble rappers, they're talking crap about Eminem. But here's the thing, it's a cipher, it's a freestyle. There is really no flow style. You spit off the top of your head as to what your emotion is and what you're feeling. And um, Eminem just pretty much, if, if the Secret Service had to go out and arrest people for verbal assassination, Eminem would be in jail right now. Because <laughs> he pretty much killed Donald Trump on the mic. I don't know if you guys were able to hear it yet. Ken, have you? Yeah, no, I, I heard it, and I was really surprised. First of all, it looks like they filmed him in a garage or the, uh, a parking garage. Yeah, the, most of the ciphers are usually filled, like, in the basement or in, or in a garage right. or somewhere. You know, they give it that that old-school, you know, in-your-face type feel. But uh, – he spoke from the heart, and it just the way he delivered Oh, yeah, it. he just totally destroyed it. In fact, you know, I've never been a big fan of Eminem. 
I mean, I like to cut. Uh, there is a couple of songs in them I really, really like. But my God, I mean, I was blown away. Yeah. So, okay, I was wrong. All of you Eminem fans were right. I'm taking, I'm taking my medicine. Okay. And he went, and he's got a. And here's the thing: he's got a new album coming out, and he even went as far as calling out those fans who voted for Trump. And he's like, "Look, I'm drawing a line in the sand right now. Are you with me? Are you still with him? Because he's this, 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 and f you." And I was like, "Wow, you know that that takes balls." for an artist with his album coming out in just weeks, maybe a month or so to, to take his fan base and say, Hey, make a choice, you know? And and that's how strong he feels about his opinion and his, you know, about our president, Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, well, I was, you know what? I was waiting on Twitter for Donald Trump to come out and respond. And you know what? He's yet to respond to, it's almost like Nicki Minaj, you know, she took forever to respond when she had her rap thing with um, another female rapper, but uh, it's it, it was pretty solid, pretty tight, and um, I'm waiting to see if he says anything. But it's a, well, a couple it's not, of things. Couple it's not things. like him not to respond. That's for sure. Well, he's already so, responded. Yeah. Comes so already we'll responded. Yeah. Oh no, well, I didn't, no he, he responds it, with a full blown war. Yeah, so it's a whole it different a, thing. Yeah, there was a fake response that went around because I actually right. followed. I follow Trump, and I I haven't seen him. Say it yet, but there's a lot of fake responses that people have put out there, which are, which are pretty funny. Yeah, there's um, a lot of memes over this one. Yeah, but right now, you know what his beef is with? His beef is with he's got a big beef with Jimmy Kimmel. And Ken, you brought this up, this thing about direct uh, Tillerson comments, and yeah, uh, just before we went on the air, um, I forget who it was, Kelly. Uh, just before we went on the air, Kelly just announced he says he says. Because what the word is out of the White House is, is that Donald Trump said he's fed up with everybody. That's what the news story is. And um, Kelly has just announced and said he will not be leaving that White House. He's not quitting and he's not getting fired. So, Ken, can you explain what that's all about real quick before we get into the Rick Tillerson comments? Oh, sure. Uh, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about the chief of staff to Donald Trump, a four-star Marine. And Marines, all due respect to our squared over here, you know, run to the sound of gunfire. They do not quit. They uh, bleep, fight, drink, and die. They do not surrender. So he is staying on. There's supposedly a suicide pact, as the media is calling it, between him, the Secretary of the Treasury, the Secretary of Homeland – or the new Secretary of Homeland Security, and I'm not sure who the third person is, and the Secretary of State. Excuse me. There okay. we go. Uh, that if one of them goes, all of them go. Is General McMaster's part of that as the security advisor? Yes. I was, I was referring only to uh, cabinet secretary, but you are correct, the national security advisor. So they are apparently told Trump that if you fire one of us, all of us are going. And most people say Trump couldn't do that, couldn't fire oh, all could. those people. He'd, he'd never be able to do that. Yeah. So so basically that's the way that apparently out of a sense of duty, he's saying, look, this is my mission. I'm here for the duration, whatever it takes. You know, And he's apparently what he's really done to Trump is basically put him in a timeout. He's limiting access to outside advisors. He's limiting his access to travel and really making him concentrate on what he's supposed to be doing. And apparently Trump isn't liking that very much. Oh, boo, boo. And go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, Chief of Staff Kelly has had an amazingly positive influence. But at the end of the day, the president is going to do what he wants to do. So we'll see how long that this – I don't know if you want to call it a detente or whatever. We'll see how long this lasts because even with uh, even with this positive influence, 
and positive change from the chaos that was going on before, uh, the, the president's still going to do his tweeting, and uh, you know he's still going to do a lot of the things that uh, that that create the public uproar. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I hope, for the sake of the country, I, I hope that the chief of staff is able to maintain this positive influence. I'd rather see us talking about policy and figure out what we're going to do or not do than than you know have this circus going on every day. But I'm not all that hopeful that it'll last for a long time. I gotta agree with R squared. I mean, he's still at the end of the day. He's still the commander. In, he's still the commander in chief. He's still the president. He gets to make the calls. And this guy has shown a long history of not caring what damage he does as long as he gets his way. Yeah, well, it, it, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, R squared. Yeah, your turn. I'll follow. You, you know what? It, it, like I said, when I when we first came on, I said there wasn't much about Trump, but th- actually there is a lot of stuff about Trump because there's, there's some other big things I want to talk about. I'm gonna let R squared finish his point on this topic here. No, I think that's where I was going. Is I was going to say that despite all the positive influences, you know, one of which was just the line of communication in the White House. That was a positive influence that the chief of staff, any chief of staff, you know, can can do. And so that's you know, kudos for for making that happen and you know, shutting down some of the side influences that were going on in the White House. I think a lot of that was when Steve Bannon left. That was fixed too, but. The other thing that's going on with President Trump is, you know, we talked about this on a previous show, uh, you know, his his behavior, his other things. And, and a lot of what was being talked about this week, and I think this is where you were going, Sinister One, uh, what was going on this week was some more of the concerns over his competence. And I don't just mean uh, physical competence, but there's, again, you know, those on the inside, not critics, not people who are trying to take pot shops at Hot shots at Mr. Trump. These are the insiders, you know, who are again expressing concern over whether he's having meltdowns, uh, whether his long-term ability, uh, cognitively and emotionally, to sustain what he's doing. I mean, let's not forget for a second just how hard this job is for anybody, mm-hmm. let alone somebody who has, you know, some of the issues that Mr. Trump faces. He's able to hide them when he's on The Apprentice because you can do a reshoot, uh, and he's able to hide them in his business world because he's got his family around him, and you can hang up the phone and, and do whatever. But as president, you can't keep hiding these things, and uh, the, the, every time that one of these conversations begins – and again, I stress the fact that these are his people that are having these conversations or alluding yeah. to these concerns. These are not the critics that are out to get him, so – you know, credibility is high and the concern is legitimate. That's the thing that bothers me because that the circus will learn to live with, unfortunately. It, it bothers me that the country will accept that, but we will because we have no choice. He's going to be president for his term. And uh, but but the issue is these other problems, and then you see what's going on again with North Korea and his interaction with other world leaders and all of the other things going on. It, there's going to come a time when it's not funny and, and we're going to get stuck. Yeah, it's almost not funny right now. There's a lot of crazy things going on, you know, and we're talking about, you know, we've been talking about freedom of speech for the last few weeks. We've been talking about freedom of speech. And now, all of a sudden, we've got this thing, and I've got a guest that may be calling us, a surprise guest may be calling us in a little bit. Um, and I'm trying to hold off, but we can re- we can go back to this when this person calls in if they make it on. Um, but there was all this other stuff that's coming down with Trump that just big stuff. Freedom of speech we talked about, but now we're coming up on this other big issue is what we call freedom of press. And this is people we need to really watch what's going on here because there are a lot of things. There's a lot of you know things that he's writing into play. Now we have this issue where, and I made it. I made a loose joke about this because um, 
Trump has now asked the FCC to go after NBC and try to steal away their network broadcasting rights because of he's claiming that they're putting fake news out. Now, we talked about this way, way, way back, and we talked about this, and I said this to Ken, we talked off air, and then we came on there and talked about it, and I said, when he came out and he called CNN fake news, at that time, Donald Trump was on a media high. He had a lot of media outlets who were in his corner after winning this election. CNN was one of those ones that was kind of like the scapegoat that didn't like him. When he came out, and we talked about this, and back me up, Ken, we said that when he called CNN fake news, a lot of outlets looked at each other. It's almost like this thing with the NFL had to get together and say, hey, we can't let him call us out. A lot of outlets said, whoa, he threw that label on CNN pretty fast, which is a top-rated, regardless of what their stance is left or right, he threw that out there pretty quick to a, to a, to a top news agency. And I think a lot of media outlets said, whoa, he did that that quick. That could be us. And that could hurt our market. And I think a lot of people started saying, oh, we're going to start looking at this guy and we're not going to allow him to, to talk bad about other markets. And what has happened now is is that he everybody that has come out and talked bad about him, he what has he done? Ken, he's thrown that Fake media, fake news, yeah, and 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 that's a that's a that that's that's a when you're talking about press, that's not good to talk about credibility because what's the main thing that media plays on is is their credibility and and their and their and their responsibility to report. So when you start just throwing that tag around, fake news, fake news, for a while there he was throwing fake news out there like like Halloween, like you know, like candy on Halloween, you know, NBC and this and that. Now he's wants to take away. NBC's broadcasting rights for fake news. And then I thought about it, and I looked back, and I said, whoa, hold on a second here. Let's look back. Let's pull back and look at the bigger picture. Three weeks ago, you went after the NFL. It's no secret. You tried to get a team in the NFL, and you had an epic fail. So now the NFL is on your radar. You're, you're, you're totally up and against them. Now, all of a sudden, NBC is fake news, and you want them off the air. Guess what? Now we now I got to look at this and say, well, wait a minute. What does he have against NBC? Oh, he has a lot against NBC. Why? Because, number one, NBC is also the network that puts out Access Hollywood, which leaked the infamous kitty cat, grabbed the kitty cat tape. That's number one. Number two, NBC also hosted his show, which was canceled. And number three, NBC is also home of Saturday Night Live. Do you guys find this... Quinky dink. <laughs> well, but let's, let's remember something. He was mad about the whole moron thing, which he claims didn't happen. So, uh, you know, NBC broke that story, so that's why he's mad at NBC. And The Apprentice, of course, was only canceled because he ran for office and couldn't be on it anymore. I have. A, I, I wonder what would happen, you know, if the president serves one term and decides well, he wants wait, well, to go hold back on. into it. He, hold on. It, it, it didn't get canceled. Remember, he put Schwarzenegger in his place, and there was well, a that whole was temporary. big – there was a whole big beef because the ratings went down, and then him and Schwarzenegger got into a oh, real nasty. Course. No, yeah. I remember that. And, and, yeah. Exactly. But, but my point being that President Trump himself couldn't host the show because of the rules governing you know, when you're a candidate and, and airtime equivalency and all that. Mm -hmm. So he obviously could no longer be part of The Apprentice while he's in office. What I'm curious about is let's say he serves one term in for one, one reason or another, is not serving a second term, and he says, I want to go back to The Apprentice. Let's see how fast NBC, Mark Burnett, or anybody else brings that show back. I, I oh, just wonder. Would they, would they be hypocrites? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. 
Ken, because it was a moneymaker. Ken, what's uh, your thoughts? My, my thought is I hate not to uh, to rain on your parade or to uh, destroy your childhood, but television, Hollywood, whatever you want to call the entertainment industry, it's all about the Benjamins people. Oh, yeah. Dead presidents. Yeah. Yep. If it's going to make them money, they'd put Hitler on TV. Okay, and that's a Jew talking. But but this is this is a big deal because here's the thing about this: he goes after NBC just weeks after putting his guy in place at the head of the FCC. So I'm going to ask you, Ken, legally, what are your thoughts about that? Is this is this a bad situation if the new head of the FCC decides to do what he tells him, and it, and now it looks like that he's a he's a plant <laughs> the whole setup from the get go? I mean, first of all, the, you need to understand something. For the FCC to pull NBC's broadcast license is mm-hmm. a very long process. Right. It's not like the FCC can wake up one morning and say, hey, NBC, don't like your programming. I'm pulling your license. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are administrative challenges, and it's got to be by courts. I mean, the, the case would drag on longer well, than Trump's second term. Well, here's the other question to you, though. But what about all those – because you pull those broadcast rights. What happens to all those cable providers who are paying money for NBC right. to broadcast and all no, those not cable Not only that, it puts a bad set, uh, a sentiment. If you can have a president pulling, you know, NBC's broadcasting license, which isn't like what he's saying, mm-hmm. what happens when we get a Democrat or a liberal in the office and said, "Okay, turnabout's fair play, Fox News, you're done." Yeah. All yeah, those it's... AM radio stations, Rush Limbaugh, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty. I, I find it pretty scary the stuff that he just throws out there and, and says as a president. I. I sit back and sometimes I just have to take a breath and I just have to say, like like R Squid was just saying, right now in the White House you've got a lot of people and these are people that he put into place. These are people that he trusted that are now saying that he's he's unraveling. This guy is unraveling on a daily basis. The other issue is something called the Twenty Fifth Amendment. And for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know what it is, the Twenty Fifth Amendment was put in basically states that if the majority of the cabinet mm-hmm. in a vote finds that the president is incapacitated for any reason, can be physical, can be incremental, they can vote to remove him. Well, and Steve Bannon predicted, uh, he said, what, there was only a 30% chance that it would not happen. So he's saying that uh, there's a 70% chance that the 25th Amendment will kick in and uh, and the cabinet will remove President Trump from office. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, on the one hand, we're talking about all kinds of reasons why they could consider doing it. But at the end of the day, look at the cabinet. Now, you're right. You talked about some of the more reputable people at the beginning of our show here where we talked about the national security team that's going to st- stick together. They're, they're some of the ones that would probably uh, look at that if it re- was really in the best interest of the country and was really the right thing to do. I would trust that group to lead the effort or be part of the effort. But if you look at the rest of the cabinet, I mean I, I won't go through the names, but we all know some of the cast of characters there that uh, you know have no understanding of ethics, of morality, of decency. Uh, they're they're you know loyalists to a flaw. I mean, you, are you really going to get these people to step up and do something like that? Because you know whether it's Mike Pence or somebody else, a lot of these folks are gone at that point. And on the topic of Mike Pence, he's in a lot of hot water too. He was at. Uh, the, one of the games this past week, 
And yep. um, during the oh, national anthem, you know, the guys were kneeling down. He got up and walked out. Okay, fine. We, you know, it was a big story. Mike Pence got up. He walked out. Blah blah blah. But here's the problem: you can't answer your cell phone prior the game in front of people and allow people to hear you get the order right from your president that if they're to kneel, you are to leave. And that, my question is to you guys: Did Mike Pence do this on purpose to let Donald Trump hang yet again? Is Pence smarter than we believe? Is Because I feel this sometimes. There's a, a lot of things here, like this whole thing with Indianapolis, when they went in there and they said they're going to keep the jobs, and now the company says, oh, no, we're still going to close, and the people are still going to lose their jobs. And Mike Pence was pretty, pretty much like, oh, no, I, I wasn't involved with that. That was all Donald Trump all of a sudden again, kind of letting Donald Trump hang again. So I'm going to ask this to each of you guys. I'm going to ask Robert first. Do you, do you get this feeling that Mike Pence does not want anything to do or, or he's trying to separate himself from Donald Trump? Well, I think Mike Pence, to start off with, is a very shrewd politician. Uh, but at the same time, he, uh, as, as much as I dislike him for a lot of reasons, I think he's full of hate. Uh, he's a sincere individual because he's not afraid to say what he thinks and what he believes, uh, even at his own cost sometimes. So, uh, you know, he knew what his job was going to be. He met with 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 you know then candidate Trump and they had multiple conversations and they reached an agreement over what his job would be as vice president. You know every mm -hmm. vice president's a little bit different, uh, so Mike Pence is a little bit different from his predecessors. And you can see that he is doing a lot as if he is the heir apparent as opposed to a vice president that you know let's mm -hmm. face it most most vice presidents have an eye towards running to replace their boss after one or two terms. Right. And, uh, but in this particular case, it almost looks almost looks at times that that then candidate Trump said, look, I'm only going to do one term. You're going to take over for me. We're going to guarantee that that happens because you see Mike Pence running around cleaning up after the president like a zookeeper mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, and, and sort of assuming a little bit of some of those presidential roles that you don't necessarily always see. So there's, there's a lot going on between the two camps there, and they have a full understanding of how that's going to work. So I don't believe that the vice president is distancing himself. I think this is all part of the plan that they put together. Together and how he would serve as vice president and what Donald Trump expects of him as the vice president. I think this is a full-blown agreement. If I could yeah. just add one thing and turn yeah, it over to, to Diesel, the uh, you know the thing with the the Colts game over the weekend that was all planned. They had talked about it in advance. He knew he was going to do it. He knew that the players were going to kneel. I mean, this was widely covered, and, and a lot of the commentary has been right. There was no doubt that that, that there was going to be kneeling. There was no doubt that he was going to go in and leave. As far as I'm concerned, that was an awful thing to do. Now, I said on the air what I think about the kneeling, but what things like what Mike Pence, that's even worse because you yeah. don't, that, that's just making a spectacle of it. That's wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a point that doesn't need to be made. We already know what the administration thinks. I think Jerry Jones's actions this week and the Miami Dolphins coach said something similar this week. Teams that are doing that, that's much more of a story. That's much more of something that needs to be discussed mm -hmm. because that's going to be an issue uh, between the NFL and the Players Association and we'll have to see how that plays out. That's a legitimate debate because they both have rights. Uh, but, but what the vice president did and the fact that you know the president was all proud of it, they had planned this in advance, foolishness, childish, and a mm -hmm. hell of a lot of wasted I'm, money for the I'm taxpayers. Professional. I'm Professor Ken, because you, you know the, well, I know the Democrats. Uh, I'm a little angry at our, our squared, but he's basically stole my thunder. <laughs> Say it again, brother. Say it again. You stole my thunder. 
Well, you speak first on the next one. <laughs> right. But no, but I happen to every well. Basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote that old great Saturday Night Live routine when they had the parody of Bush Clinton come together. When Bush goes, yeah, what he said. <laughs> Nothing to add, Ken. Nothing Did to you? add. He said everything I was gonna say, and probably a lot more eloquently than I could have stated it. Oh, so, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure you had to hold back the f bombs because I know that pissed you <laughs> off. I know, I know you were sitting there upset, knowing that this whole thing was orchestrated, planned. Taxpayers' money was wasted. While this, and here's the funny thing: Trump does this right while in the same weekend he fires two more people for misusing funds in flying places that. Are on account that they're not that they're not supposed to be using the funds for. Yet you send Mike Pence out to this game to do this, which is orchestrated. It has absolutely no political meaning other than patting your ego or whatever. Like our squid said, it, no. This, go ahead, Ken. See, I this knew you was strictly. <laughs> I mean, I am sorry, and this was strictly designed. It's a dog whistle to his base. That's what they were expecting, and that's what they got. It. it like as R Square said, it was a stunt. It was pre-planned, exactly. And he is playing to his base: conservative white men with little or no formal education. And that's who he's playing to. But that's the only people left who are supporting him. And oh, by the way, just to oh, add one we more go. thing. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm not sure which is more disrespectful. Taking a knee during the national anthem, or walking out of the freaking um, walking out of the freaking game because someone didn't, someone else didn't stand for the national anthem—that's being disrespectful. Did he did he walk he out during, or did he wait no, till he, after the national anthem? I believe he waited till after, but okay. after, after. This. after. Yeah. But what he should have done is he should have stood for the national anthem and stayed for the game and saying, "I am going to stay here to protest a player taking a knee because I'm going to stand." Okay, that's what he should have done. Mm-hmm. And by the way, one thing R Square didn't cover: uh, if you're going to tweet a whole thing about going to the Colts game and walking out, you may want to use the right photograph. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. That was hysterical. Go- <laughs> I mean, apparently, and I didn't catch this because, and there are people who are got to stand. You're talking to a luddite here. I mean, this—the fact that I even know what Twitter is—is is, I think a major accomplishment. Uh huh. But apparently, someone who's gotten much sharper eyes than I do, they when they put when he went out, when Vice President Pence put this whole thing on his Twitter account, they showed a photograph of him and his wife in a game from two years ago. And apparently, they noticed this because, <clears throat> like I said, this person noticed that in the photograph on Twitter, he's wearing a Colts jersey, but on a photograph of the game, he's actually wearing a suit. Oh so, man, that's going, you know, that's not good. <laughs> you know, that's just bad stuff. There's nothing more worse than being outed on the internet. I know. Oh man, it's I just. Mean, it's I, just... Am, I, I am sorry. Uh, you know, we 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 had a whole show. Well, I'd say a whole show. We discussed this, I think, to death the last show before that about our, all of our feelings regarding this. But I'm sorry. Puerto Rico, 85% of Puerto Rico is without water, power, or transportation. Mm-hmm. Who else? Um, we still have got massive cleanups in both Florida and Texas. They're still going on. And notwithstanding J.J. White's and his GoFundMe page, you know, way to go, Mr. Watts. I hate, I hate Texans, but I got to tip my hat to you, sir. And this is what Donald Trump is concentrating on? Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
really crazy. How to, how to get that off my chest. <laughs> Guys, we're flying along here. 4.32. We're at the half hour mark. I got to mention, we were, Tuesday night we were supposed to have a guest on with us, Perry Pellucci. And um, he has an event coming up on Saturday night, the 12th annual food drive party, which is taking place at the uh, Sons of Italy at in Quincy at 120 Quarry Street. He was going to come on to talk about all this stuff. And um, you want to make sure you, you buy your tickets, 781-492-5349. Um, all the donations and proceeds go to the St. Joseph's Food Pantry. They usually have a truck outside, and then you can fill it up. But the best part of this night is that you get to listen to the world premiere band uh, ah. that night. And, Ken, you know, we had a great time, and uh, it's a good time to go to this. And I'm stuck because I actually have a bachelor party um, that day for a, a childhood friend. Um, his, his bachelor party is this weekend, and it starts off at the Patriots Hall of Fame. And then we've got a uh, – we're, we're going to be going, I think, the Toby Keith's Bar. So this should be interesting. Oh, black guy. For those of you who have never seen the world premiere band, we were fortunate enough uh, to see them down at Foxwoods, was it? Uh, a couple of places we see them at Fox. Um, we've, seen, we've we've been a couple of places. Um, I've used to follow them quite a bit, and uh, my my wife also follows them. So they're all over the place. But Foxwoods was one of the first places I took you to see them. Yeah, and they were freaking awesome. I mean, they were absolutely. For those of you, I mean, even if you know you should go support a good cause, always. I'm for, firm believer in that. But even if you don't want to go, you have to go see these guys. Well, here's the thing, too. Especially if, if you like classic classic Motown and classic rock blues. Oh, they were just – they blew us away. And we saw them in a venue that was the size of your living room. Yeah, and, better. and here's the thing. They've now added a woman to the group, which allows them now to do a lot of those classic songs and duets – where there was a woman involved in those lyrics, you know, before you would go see them. And it was great. You know, it was a lot of nice, you know, Motown covers and things like that. But now with this woman in the group, and I don't know her name yet because I haven't been able to, you know, to meet her. Um, I, I saw her at Revere Beach at the uh, Sandcastle. That was the first time I met her. But, um, you know, she brings a whole new element to World Premiere Band by by getting more more songs in there for, you know, for the crowd to get, you know, get going, you know. So it, it's great, you know, the Tammy Terrell and – you know, the Diana Ross stuff and the Supreme stuff, all that oh. stuff there that gets the crowd moving, you know, with a female. Um, I was waiting. I'm waiting for her to do Proud Mary. That's I, – I thought she was going to do it on July 4th up at Revere Beach. They didn't do it. I'm, if I was to see these guys, I'm going to tell them I'm, that's my personal request. Proud Mary, I think she would just destroy that song and get the whole place going. So good stuff. But that's how – that's this weekend, 12th annual – Food drive party. It's at the Sons of Italy in Quincy. Uh, St. Joseph Food Pantry is where these uh, donations are going to go to. Like I said, they usually have a truck. Tickets are only 20 bucks, 8 to 1. Doors open at 7.30. Proper dress is required. It's a nice time. Good food spread out there. And um, like I said, you got to bring your canned goods and non-perishables. Um, and they'll have a truck there. You can just throw your stuff right in. And it's going to go to a good cause. And, uh, hey, you know, that's, that's what we do here. 4.35. Uh, we're flying along. We did talk Trump more than I thought we were going to, like I said, I didn't, when we came on the air, I was like, oh, there wasn't much to talk about Trump this week. And then, <laughs> all of a sudden I realized there was so much stuff in the last, like in the last two days that happened after we would have gotten off the air. You know, like I said, originally there was only the M&M, but then we had the Tilson and then, you know, we had this, all this other stuff that, that went on. Um, and again, you know, I, I kind of wish, I mean, I feel bad for the guy cause the guy just continuously keeps getting beat up um, through the media and on Facebook. Social social media 
is laying him to waste. But here's the thing that upsets me about social media. There's a lot of people out there on social media that are really bashing Trump, but they have no idea about anything about politics. And like I said, I, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I've been involved with politics since I was real little. Me and Ken have talked politics like oh, yeah. forever. I've debated politics with people for forever since I was real young. So when it comes to talking politics, I, I, I do know how everything works and what goes on. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there right now who are only involved with politics because I hate to say this because when Obama was the hip thing, they became involved in politics because Obama was in office for two terms. And then now because Trump has turned the place upside down, now you've got this other brand of people who are out there and they try to debate politics, but they know absolutely nothing. And it, it turns into just stop, <laughs> you know, it, it just gets really, really bad. Well, and I know for Ken, I know Ken, you're, you were out there fast and furious, and then you've kind of died down, too. You're kind of like, yeah, it's just not worth it. Well, I'm thinking of respite. I mean, actually, Rob's also a big uh, – He's we one of the reasons we bonded in law school many years ago was our love of politics. And I've always tried to force him, and he should run for office, although he refuses. I think he'd make an excellent representative. Someday. Yeah. But, uh, you know, well, you know, I'm, you know, it's funny because I, I also think that the, pa- the, the torch has been passed to the next generation. And I must say, I'm seeing, a lot, I'm seeing a lot of younger millennials, twenty-somethings, getting involved. You know, I wish they were getting involved for altruistic reasons. A lot of them are getting involved because they can't stand Trump, but they're actually learning. And I'm going, well, maybe this next generation, you know, isn't as lazy and you know, pathetic as we thought. I mean, they're they're showing they're showing some promise. And like I know my cousin Danielle, who is currently a she a sophomore. Yeah, she's a sophomore. Oh God. Sophomore in high school. No, college. college okay. At uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a this is my baby cousin. Okay, you know, uh, I was a lawyer when she was born already, and just she's a very beautiful, very highly intelligent, active young woman, and 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 you know, boyfriends and all that stuff. I'm just not ready for that crap. But anyway, <laughs> she's got. I mean, she she her cousins. My first cousin Mary and her husband John, great people, and I love them to death. But they are old line conservatives, and uh, we've been battling politics, you know, since the year Gimel, as we say. But she, my cousin Mary, I tell me, it's like, yeah, on a few issues, Danny's turned me around a bit, which is like a shock. This is like, you know, you know the you know the Mashiach showing up at your house for dinner. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, you know, th- this generation is is coming around slowly but surely. Yeah, you know, here in Brockton. Uh, we had our primary just a few weeks ago, and um, there were a lot of young kids running for this mayor spot. And the guy that ended up getting that spot is the guy we interviewed, Jimmy Pereira. He's going to be running against Mayor Carpenter uh, this November. Um, and then for your city council and stuff, you've got a lot of young guys out there. Um, Mr. Cosme, he's a young kid. You've got Jack Lally over there in Ward 6. He's a real young kid over there holding yeah. it down. Um and you've got a couple other youngsters who were running for for some seats and stuff. And these youngsters, like a Bradley Safran, um, I believe he just graduated like Brockton High or something, um, and he was trying to run for mayor. My thing is, is hey Bradley, if you can hear my voice right now, look, you know what? It was great. You ran. Do not discourage yourself. I saw the day after the primary that when you you know you saw how many votes you got and stuff, you were a little discouraged and you were on Facebook and stuff. But if anybody out there knows Bradley Safran, tell this kid. Young kid, keep your head up. You don't have to go right for mayor. I got it. You want change. But sometimes that change is done at the lower levels, the city council levels, the ward levels. 
if you go for a ward counselor in your area, in your neighborhood, and you start to change things in your ward first, build that political resume, and that will build your credibility. Then you can move on from ward counselor to maybe a city counselor or counselor at large. Build your steps, build your base that's going to vote for you when it com- becomes time to vote for mayor. So take those steps, man. Do what you got to do. Do your work in your ward. And trust me, kid, you're going to go places. This kid, his his videos and everything, Ken, guys, when I tell you that his videos destroyed some of the people who ran for president this past election, the quality, just the time that was put into it, he had you know drone footage and stuff like that. The kid was just amazing. Um, I'm looking to see more from him, but again... You don't have to bite off the mayor spot. Just start at that ward level. You know, can't and, let them know. Let them yeah, know. How- well, no, no. I mean, if okay, this open disclosure here. I was a big Bernie supporter, and after he lost the uh, nomination, he started a pack. And his his whole thing. He if you go back and said, look, I want to go out there and have people start organizing on the local level, on the on the community boards, on the school boards, on mm-hmm. the zoning boards, on the county offices. Mm-hmm. Start there and start building a network of people because you're the people actually doing the governing. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, you know. Look, losing an election never killed anyone. You learn a lot by losing. Yeah, so trust me, yeah. I've lost a lot of elections. Yeah, go out there, jump on a school committee. You know, because yeah. and I, I mean, I've always said getting in school committee is is another one because being involved with the school committee, you get to see how government budget works at its, at, at, at oh, yeah. really needed to work. The school committee budget is one of those things that they toss around. They have to play with. You've got teachers that you may have to lay off. So if you're on the school committee, that really sets you up nicely to take a government position at, at, at city hall, because you've already started learning how that budget thing works now. Um, Robert, I don't you, you said that you haven't done any political stuff yet, but you have been tossing that idea around. Oh, I've been thinking about it for a while. I, I did – before my military career, I did some local stuff, which was really exciting, and I enjoyed it, and I encouraged people to, to do what I did, which is just show up uh, and get involved and, and run for some local stuff uh, because it's a good – you have to learn the process. And, and quite frankly, nobody can start at the top, whether you're the top of your town or president of the United States. You've got to build credibility and experience, and so go get that experience somewhere. Yeah, and they've got a good thing going on here in Brockton right now. They've got Brock the Vote. They kind of took the Rock the Vote MTV thing that was way back, and uh, they got this thing called Brock the Vote. Uh, Tony Rodriguez from the uh, Bay State Buccaneers, Ollie Spears. I saw him. I saw Mr. Cosme. Saw a couple of guys in this video out there, and uh, it's good stuff. You know, I like I like seeing them out there to get the youth going and and doing what needs to be done. So. Uh, Let's see. Let me see. I'm just looking at the time here. 4:45. We know what we talked a lot of politics, but I got to switch gears. Yeah. We got to switch gears. We got football, but there's something I got to talk about here before we get into football, man. This past week was the New York Comic Con, which is as big as Boston. It's big. New York Comic Con is big, and why is it big? Because this is the the deadly third quarter for movies, and we've got guess what, people. You've got Justice League coming out in November. Awesome new trailer. But we were blessed with two major trailers that I am real happy to talk about. First one was Pacific Pacific Rim 2 Uprising with Mr. Boyega, who is now a full-blown star from being in Star Wars. Uh, 
he is now taking over as the son of a Derbis Elbus character from Pacific Rim One. I don't know. Did you guys? Did either of you guys see the trailer for Pacific Rim Two? Before I get no. into my other trailer, Ken. I saw it. I wasn't impressed. I, of course, I wasn't impressed with the first movie. So I'm really yeah. What did you not like about the? I see. I love. I'm, I'm a big anime guy. I grew up on giant robots and Shogun Warriors and all that stuff. So I, I, I know. I, I it just seems to me that they're spending. And this is not just this movie. Mm-hmm. This was about Suicide Squad, which I was really disappointed on. They're doing more to the effects as opposed to the story, and that's been a oh, problem. Oh, you're not a big CGI fan. No, I'm not. See, I, and, and I, I look when CGI first came out with Yoda, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to learn to like it because I'm a computer guy. So I had to learn to like it. I, and I understand a lot of people don't like overuse of CGI, but it's, it's, it's also, again, it's about money. It's, you know, it's, it's CGI saves a ton of money and it lets them do a lot of things that they could never do before. So pretty excited about that. But let's, before we get into football, look, we debated this way, way back before I squared was even co-hosting the show about six months ago. They released a teaser trailer for The Last Jedi, which opens up. It's episode 8. It's going to open up in November. Tickets are already on sale. Now, when this teaser trailer first premiered, me and Ken got in a real heavy debate here on the booth because one of the things I pointed out in that trailer was that the writing for Jedi was in red. And when you look at red, when you talk Star Wars, red is the color of the dark side, which is the Sith Lords. We also went to this discussion about Jedi. Now, I had said when you look at Jedi in the book and in the, in the Star Wars series, definition, the plural word for Jedi is not Jedi's. It's still the word Jedi with an I. Now, Ken says no. He says it's Jedi's with an S. Yes, it is. And I still, I'm going to bring this up again. I still believe that in this case of this movie and what, what I've seen with this trailer. Now, have you seen the new trailer? Yes, no. I have. Okay. I still believe that Jedi is plural, and I believe we're going to see maybe one more person awaken with the, with, with, with the Jedi Force. Um, and it looks like they are going in the way of the books that we discussed way, way back with Luke possibly being dark. Um, and turning to the dark side, which we did see early on towards the end of Empire Strikes Back, and we did see some of that dark side of Luke in Jedi. So your thoughts on this trailer, Ken? Because well, I know very we can... simply, first of all, let's talk about the fact that I think um, when Jedi is singular, but it also refers to the Jedi Order, mm-hmm. because the individuals are referred to as a Jedi Knight. Jedi is sort of a misnomer. You're not a Jedi. You're a Jedi Knight. Or there is the Jedi Order. And I think mm-hmm. that's what the title is referring to. Not an individual Jedi Knight, but the last Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. So I think there there could be more Jedis. I believe there is. Um, the, I think what because of Rogue One, which, by the way, I actually love, I think we're going to get into a much more complex... Uh, reading of the Force, I think you see a lot more gray area with regards to the Force. Because remember, Luke's lightsaber in the in the Return of the Jedi is green, not blue. And green was generally more of the people who are morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So I think you see a more ambigu- more a- morally ambiguous 
Jedi Knight or Jedi Master, I should say. So what were your thoughts? Because in, th in this film, there is one scene that, you know, I, I saw it and I could realize it. It looks like Kylo Ren is attacking the Rebels, and it looks like he has a bead on his mother, Princess Leia, which is Command Commander Leia. Um, I think she's an admiral now. Isn't she's she? an admiral. General. She's an admiral. And, and um, he has this, he could actually, looks like he could de destroy her ship, and it looks like he's, you know, she's reaching out to him with the Force, because again, remember, we all know that Princess Leia ha is a Jedi. She she has the Force. She well, she's Force-sensitive. Force she's not a Jedi. Yes. The Jedi are trained. Okay, so she's Force-sensitive. Thank you for clearing that up. So she does reach out to her son, Kylo Ren, and it looks like that he does not, well, from the trailer, it looks like he does not kill her, um, which we know he did kill his father, Han Solo. Um, sorry if I blew that one for anybody if you hadn't seen The Last Star Wars yet, but... Um, it looks like Kylo Ren is torn, and it looks like Snoke, who we saw as a hologram, is going to play a big part into this. Yes, well, they've, they've confirmed that they're going to have a live version of him. That's been confirmed. Yeah, there is an actor, and I forget the actor who's playing yeah. Snoke. It's a major character who's playing Snoke. And um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it is on our Facebook page. Um, November 17th, I think, is the release date, but tickets December. are out. December. December. Is already on sale. No, no, November, early, early release. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Tickets, All tickets right. well, are already gentlemen, I mean, we're running out of time, and we need to talk some football here. But this week, as, as we talk football, I think we we nailed quite a bit this week. Well, weekend. we did better than we did the week before. Yeah, yeah. But we, again, that's not saying much. Yeah, we, we but, did quite a bit. So, let's yeah, let's let's get into it. we got 10 minutes left of the show. Let's do it. All right. We're going to go with our picks first, or are we going to talk football? Well, let's talk the football when we get into the okay. pick. We can, yeah, all right, we can all right. so here we go. All right. Thir the Thursday night football game, which, by the way, I'm going to give my opinion, and you can tell you shot me down. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. I don't like Thursday night football. I well, agree. I, I, you know what? From a fantasy perspective, too, I hate it. Because <laughs> you've lost three days that you can get your fantasy team ready. Right. <laughs> so I think it's dumb. But I think it, if you had told me at, at, before week one that this would be a matchup of two – top-notch teams. I would have thought you were crazy. We've got the 4-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles, one of Sister One's boys' teams. Yeah, tied. Proper grammar. And the Carolina Panthers, who, uh, I, I'm sorry, they're not nearly as good a team as their record. I would, they're say, four and one. I would say so, the Panthers are a pretender. They were lucky to get out of Gillette Stadium with the win. Just let's just be honest here. They yeah. they did beat the Patriots, but they were real lucky to get out of here with that win. Okay, um, they're playing in Carolina, and Philadelphia is not a great road team. So, gentlemen, R squared, you're first up. Eagles, Panthers, Panthers, Panthers. Philly put on. Philly had a good offense last week, man. I I'm, I think I'm going to stick with Philly with a win this week. I have been wrong about every time I choose either Philadelphia or, or the Panthers, but I was wrong every time. But I'm going with Philly because, I don't know, maybe they sacrificed a virgin or found a golden chalice, but they've been burning it up. So go with Philly. Well, your boy, your boy down there is making the difference. Yeah, I know. Blunt force trauma. There you go, my boy. Blunt force yeah. trauma, damn right. Yeah. But it's just the entire package. It's not him. Yes, okay. exactly. The, believe it or not, 500 Dolphins at the 3-1 and one Atlanta uh, Falcons. 
comments, Sinister One? We'll go with you first. Yeah, look, I can't believe right now we have a three-way tie for first place in the AFC East right now. This is exactly what we talked about when we had our NFL show. Um, this is going to get crazy, I think, if it continues to go the way it goes. I picked Miami last week, Miami won, but I can't see Miami going down in Atlanta and winning. And Atlanta, I believe, they lost last week. I think Atlanta bounces back at home and Miami gets home, gets sent home with a loss. R squared? Yeah, Miami's not that good of a team. They just don't have the talent. They're they're lucky if they finish the season at 500. They just had a you know interesting start. Atlanta's a great team. They're going to be contenders. Falcons all the way. Did they fire their offensive line coach, by the way, who was caught uh, the video of uh, snorting cocaine before well, they, the game? Last they let him resign, but he's gone. He's gone? Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, um, breaking news. Hold on, guys. Breaking news. NFL mobile. This could be big. Ezekiel Elliott's suspension is reinstated. Federal appeals court has overturned the district court's decision in his case, which right, means well, when does that suspension take place? Is that right away? Immediately. So that means he doesn't play this Sunday, right? Yep. Yep. As of now, unless the NFL changes their mind. Man, I love when we get breaking news. Oh, well, okay. Well, <laughs> my thing is, look, I, you know, I've always said this before. I'll say it again. You got to decide. What team's going to show up? The Miami Dolphins or their evil twin? If their evil twin shows up, they're going to get crushed. If the Miami Dolphins show up, I think it's going to be a slobber knocker with a field goal or less. But I'm sorry, if they were playing Miami, I would go with the Dolphins. But they're playing Atlanta. That's a tough. That's a tough road to hoe. Go with Atlanta. Okay, Blood Bowl Part Three: the one and four Chicago Bears versus the three and two Baltimore Ravens. R squared, your turn. You go up first. Yeah, you know, Chicago, you never know what's going to happen, but they just haven't been as impressive. Uh, you know, they gave it a go last week with the Vikings, but couldn't get it done. Uh, Baltimore, they're at, they're in Baltimore, right? So I think yep. I'm going to have to go with the Ravens at home. Sinister? Yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens at home, and I was just looking over this ruling. Uh, it was a two-to-one decision. The Fifth Circuit ruled. Uh in this in this 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 reinstatement of the suspension and i forgot i thought it was a four game but it's actually i forget six. i forgot it's a six, six game we're in week 5 right now so if this goes in effect immediately they would not have him back until week 11 or week 12 yep. bears okay. versus the ravens i don't know what the bears did uh i think they need to fire their entire team including the water boy they are just you know they can't seem to get it together they probably have difficulty being a pop Warner team take the ravens Okay, the battle of the quad, uh, the battle of the basement versus the battle of the quasi basement. Owen <laughs> five Browns versus the two and three Texans in Houston. Oh man, come on! They lost JJ Watt. They are deflated. I think they're ripe for the picking, and I'm gonna have to go the other way. I think the Texans take a loss. R squared. You know, the Texans picked up a couple of players to fill the gaps, and, and I think that their offense is good enough. I'm going to have to go with Houston at home. I mean, I, I made the mistake of picking Cleveland a couple of times this year, thinking that they were going to be slightly improved. They've been nothing but disappointing, and uh, I may not pick them the rest of the season. We'll see. <laughs> oh, you've got you've got to that point, huh? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I think Houston's... Unless they play the Giants. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Houston playing at home with Watson, who's got he assumes to be the quarterback that no one ever saw coming. I don't. I think they lose J.J. Watts. I think they're motivated to win because of the hurricane. Uh, the Browns. I'm sorry, they couldn't. They couldn't knock over the lemonade stand. Go with the Texans. Hmm. Okay, the Battle of the Norsemen. 
Green Bay at the Vikings. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay's four and one. Big freaking surprise. Minnesota being a little disappointing at three and two. Are we looking for an upset? R squared? You know, that's a close one because Green Bay, I mean, the way that they finished that game was amazing. They're they're really on fire. But going to a division rival on the road, Minnesota's got something to prove. They uh, they came back and, and beat Chicago. I'm not sure. This one's going to be tough. I wonder if I just go with the home team, the Vikings, just, just put that home field edge. Okay. Sinister? Um, look, I've, I've been, I've always been a closet fan of Aaron Rodgers, and once again, he's getting it done. And you know what? I would love to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against each other. Um, that would be, I would love to see that. But I, I, right now, he's he's doing it, and I'm I'm just gonna have to go with Aaron Rodgers, man. I'm going with Green Bay. Look, Green Bay has has been a man on fire, a man on a mission this week. Aaron Rodgers. They they are a pretty good team on the road. They're a cold weather team, so all the advantages Minnesota normally would have at home doesn't apply to the Packers. Minnesota's having a lot of problems all over the place. They have problems with the O line, their D line, their special teams, their receiving core, their running core. They can't seem to put it together. It's going to be close, and I'm predicting overtime field goal Packers. All right, the battle. The, I'm calling this the Rondy, Ron, uh, Rodney Dangerfield Bowl. The Detroit the Detroit Lions versus the New Orleans Saints, neither team getting any respect. What do you say, guys? R-squared, you're up. Well, you know, I think Detroit's got a lot of talent, but they just haven't been putting up the points. Uh, New Orleans, Drew Brees, I got to say New Orleans in this one. Okay, Sinister? Um, I was hearing that there were some issues going on down there in New Orleans. Um, Drew Brees is my starting quarterback on my fantasy league. Uh, I, I think, ooh, Jesus, I think I'm going to take New Orleans with just an edge. I think I think they win by three. I think Detroit's finally learning how to win. I think they're learning learning to win on the road. I'm not impressed with anything the Saints have done this year. They have gotten away with a lot of luck, so I'm taking Detroit in a close one. Mm. All right. New England Patriots at the Jets. Do we really need to discuss this one? (laughs) I I, I actually just played my simulation game on Madden with this, and the game was 3-3. We went into overtime. I won the game on the safety. The game finished 5-3, and uh, I felt that this game could very well go the same way. Uh, The New York Jets fans do come out for for this matchup. Um, I I like the Patriots by three. In New York. All right. R squared? P-A-T-S, Pats, Pats, Pats. Okay. I'm, I'm making it unanimous. So I don't think we need to discuss this. Okay. The Booth Award for the uh, most disappointing team, the San Francisco 49ers, 0-5 against the team with the probably worst name in the NFL right now, the Washington team. 0-5 versus 2-2 two and two at Washington. I'm taking the Redskins. Redskins. Of course, Redskins. 49ers couldn't 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 beat uh, you know my, my you know beat a bunch of old ladies. Okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Two teams we really Oof. screwed up predicting at the beginning of the year. What do you got? Uh, R squared. Wow, both of these teams are just struggling. Uh, Arizona just looks like they're uh, they're just confused out there. So uh, Tampa, they've got they've got potential. I think they've got a little bit more put together. I'm gonna have to go with Tampa. Okay, sinister one. It's tough, man. I, I, I thought Tampa Bay was going to be one of the most improved teams in the NFL. 
Uh, looks like the only thing that's going to help them win games is bring, maybe bringing John Gruden back. Uh, <laughs> but right now, um, that game's in Arizona, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Arizona. That Heat, man, that 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 Arizona Heat's a lot different than Tampa Heat. I'm I'm going with Arizona this weekend. Okay, you know I picked the Arizona Cardinals to be a lot better team than they were. I expected them to be a playoff contender. They'll be lucky if they finish, uh, you know, 500. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers again, another team. We don't know who shows up on any given day, but they are playing in Arizona, and that is a nasty climate to play in. Cardinals by three in overtime. Okay, Los Angeles, the Battle of the Coast, Los Angeles Rams versus the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars. Say that three times fast. In Jacksonville. Look, R squared. Uh, <laughs> you want? To... Uh, I'm going with the Rams. Rams. And yeah, I I'm, I got to go with the Rams myself too. I, I you know what they they've got a, they've got some stuff going on there. Uh, they've been able to pull out some games. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Rams. Guys, I have no idea, so I'm going to call this one a tie after overtime because I just don't think either team <laughs> can put their crap together. So I'm saying a tie after overtime. Mm. All right. Here, here is – file this one under, you know, we live in a topsy-turvy world. The 3-2 and two Pittsburgh Steelers, a, a proverbial powerhouse in the AFC, AFC North and the, the old AFC Central versus the team that, yes, I want everyone to know, we called this in the beginning of the year. The Kansas City Chiefs, we said they were the team that no one was going to pay attention mm -hmm. to, but they were yep. Kansas City was going to come out and eat everyone's lunch. And we were right. They're 5-0. and oh. They're playing in Kansas City. The question is, since the one, does Pittsburgh even have a chance? Look, and here's the thing. It was all doom and gloom after week one around here, and we, I told people, look, that's a good-ass – I told everybody, that's a good team. That, that That's a good team. you got to pay – again, that's the Belichick coaching tree up there in Kansas City, people. Remember this. I, I'm taking KC to beat Pittsburgh this weekend. That, there's no, no question about it. You know – Kansas City is not going to go 16-0, and 0, so what I'm trying to figure out is where would be the one or two letdowns that are naturally going to occur during the season? And, and boy, wouldn't Pittsburgh, coming off a terrible loss last week, show up and just take it all out on Kansas City, who might be underestimating them? I think I'm going to go with the Steelers for an upset. Okay, well, I, I would agree with R-squared if we were playing in Hinesfield in Pittsburgh. I think I think they'd have uh, Pittsburgh would have a point to prove. They wouldn't want to let their hometown fans down, but I'm sorry. Taking it on the road after the beating they got last time against this Kansas City team, which is pulling out all the stops, KC. Well, here's all the other right. thing. Well, here's the other thing, too, guys. You're forgetting this bad loss that Pittsburgh took this past weekend is also coming off of the big major story that their locker room is divided over all this stuff that has gone on behind the scenes. That you know, the word is is that you know my man Omar Epps, <laughs> Coach Omar Epps has lost control down there. But uh, we'll 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 see what happens because. Okay. Uh, All right, another battle of the basement: the L.A. Chargers one and four versus the Oakland Raiders, which are two and three. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna still stick by the Raiders beating the Patriots in Mexico, <laughs> um, but the Chargers aren't really that bad of a team. They've They've just dropped some games that they should have really have won. Uh, I, I'm i going to take the Chargers on this game. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers in a close one. I agree. I think the Chargers, I think they should be more like 
uh, uh, three and two, or maybe even four and one. They've lost yeah. some games which they should have won. Very close ones. I think they're finally getting their stuffing together, and Oakland's falling apart at the seams. Yeah, they lost David Carr. They lost their quarterback, I believe, right. for right. a couple. Yeah. All right, R squared. Is there any chance? <laughs> I mean, any chance that your Giants are going to show up for Sunday's game, or should I just not bother to watch it at all? The Giants are at Mile High Stadium in Denver oh, against the Jesus. 3-1 Broncos. Yeah, you know, so- Den- Denver, is such- Denver is such a strong team. It's hard to go to play in Denver anyway. You've got a Giants team that started the season without an offensive line and without a lot of depth, and you need depth in Denver because you've got to come out of the game and catch your breath. Now they have no wide receivers because, well, let's face it, when – you play in one game and four of your wide receivers come out hurt. I think there's something that needs to be looked at by the league in that. Nevertheless, uh, there's no way the Giants can win that game. No way. Sister one? Yeah, I, I, look, I felt for the New York Giants when you said this game. I'm like, you, you, really? They're going into Denver. They have no bench. As it, Yeah, this is, this is probably going to be the beatdown of the weekend in my yeah. book. Well, I think there is a small chance the Giants could win. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. But, but, but this would require both divine intervention, an earthquake, and a meteor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. However, after that, I'm going with the Denver in a comfortable lead. I don't think it might not be the blowout everyone's expecting. So, all right. In another game I couldn't care less about, uh, the Colts, <laughs> the Monday night game. These are two teams I actually despise for unimportant reasons, but Indianapolis at Tennessee. Oh, I'm going with Jacoby, man. I'm going with Indy. I'm on, the, I'm on the Indy train right now. Yeah, this is a close one. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I'll go with the home team, Tennessee. Again, another really tight another tight match for me. Uh, neither team is playing particularly well. I, I like Jacoby Brissett. He was a Former New England Patriot did a, did some good, but I don't think Indianapolis is good is good on the road. They are a great home team. They stink on the road, and I think they're not going to be able to come over and beat Tennessee. So that's that, mm. gentlemen. Well done. Mm. Um, just to give you some, and as I posted this on Facebook before, but um, just this is my proof that there that the uh, end days is near. Okay. Hmm. Okay, this is my proof the end days are near. Currently, the NFC, the NFC East, East is headed by the Eagles, okay? The 49ers who have the second most Super Bowls are currently 0 and 5, and the Lions are one game out of first place in week 6, following trailing only the Packers, okay? Mm-hmm. Not only that, there's an there is a three-way tie the AFC East between the Bills, Jets, and Patriots, and the Dolphins are 500. Do you think we'd ever say that? Okay. I, I, there's your parody for you. Okay. <laughs> there's your parody for you. And then you know what's the stink thing is? That somebody in this, if this continues the way it's going in the AFC East, somebody's going to miss out on the playoff that's going to deserve a playoff, but they're going to miss out because – this is the and hopefully it's not the Patriots because remember, remember this did happen to the Patriots one year. Remember we had this happen and the oh, Jets yeah. edged the Jets edged them out because the Jets had beat them in the regular season and the Patriots missed out on the playoffs and they were like way over five hundred that year. I think they were, I want to say they had 12, and, 12 games won that year. 
And last but not least, but Kansas City, who I think made the last time they made the Super Bowl, we were still involved in the 60s, is they got the best record in football right now. Think about that. You're a good, think, you're a good look. The, Ken, the, the Kansas City was in the Super Bowl. Len Dawson was their quarterback. The Chiefs have been knocking on the playoff door for a long time. This is the whole reason why they snatched up Andy Reid when 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 they friggin when they let uh, when the Eagles let him go. So, what what did you expect? Um, honestly, I thought they'd be good this year. I did not think they'd be five and zero. And go through teams like Hot Night Through Butter and good teams. I mean, I'm shocked they're this good. They've had a solid running back for two years. They just needed a they just needed a solid wide receiver, and they've got it. They and they drafted. And here's the thing, guys. This is what I like. I like seeing when drafts work. I don't know how many times I see everybody debate and, and, and teams spend all this time in the draft draft and they get crappy players. Again, we're talking about the Belichick coaching tree here. These guys drafted a wide receiver and a running back, and both of their guys that they got are making big impacts. I think somebody said that five of the guys that they drafted up there in KC are all starters. That's crazy. That's yeah. That is crazy to be five and zero with five guys you drafted and have them all be starters. I don't think any NFL team has done that ever. Yes, I know. I I don't think so. I think you're correct. But like I said, this is a crazy year. This is, you know, you know, this is the year that I think is going to break every mold. It's like whatever rules we had, they're at the window this year. And again, I have to mention, let's hope that Kansas City keeps the streak going and does not get bit by the injury bug, which is just what about the only a, team that hasn't been. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Ra, Ra, R squared. Other than Eli Manning, is there anybody on the Giants' uh, first team opening day who was not injured? <laughs> I mean, it's just a incredible, you know, incredible streak that they're on with the injuries. And this is not the first year they've had injury problems the last couple of years, which have you know knocked them out of the playoffs or knocked them out of contention because you know you miss some key players, you go on a couple of game losing streak, or you just can't win the big game you need to win. So this is just par for the course. They, they've got the Giants have to draft Eli's successor this year. That's all. Yeah, and he's eating up the cap. They showed that real quick before we get out of here. I'm going to ask R squared this question because this question has come up on this show before. Me and Ken have discussed this, but I'm going to ask this question of you. Um, NFL.com, well, NFL Network and I believe NBC this weekend were talking about this. There was a big debate about these injuries in the NFL for this season. You've got some a lot of star players that have gone down. They're injured. They're hurt. They're done for the season. A lot of these guys and, and all these critics and everybody that's out there, me and Ken talked about this two years ago. When they started getting these guys with the rules and, and about the hits, you know, guys are more worried now about getting penalized, and this is why we are, we said this. We said you're going to see a, a, an increase in all of these because guys are more worried about Getting the flag, then just wrapping the guy up and just getting that hit and just ending the play. I just got to ask you your thoughts because you're, you're a football guy. You've been watching football. I got to see if you feel the same as me and Ken do. Do you feel that a lot of these injuries are because guys are just too worried about taking that flag? And, you know, this is what this is the product of of, of what they created. Uh, 
I definitely see the problem with the injuries. I think it's something that the league absolutely has to address. We can't continue this way. There are too many players getting hurt. The injuries are, are not minor. They're, they're major injuries. They're season enders or at least people who are going to be out for a long time. And when you get an injury like that, it's going to come back. Uh, so the NFL cannot sustain this. You can't sustain the, the damage to the teams. You can't sustain the long-term damage to the players. It is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I don't know if I see it as a result of the penalties. Because if anything, those were designed to improve safety, certainly the concussion rule, certainly the head contact rule, uh, the targeting rules, things like that. I think if I have to say uh, there's – I think it's two things. One of it, it's the style of the game, and so the style of the game – you know the the hot shot plays or whatever, as opposed to the fundamental football of before. I think that is promoting some more injuries, mm-hmm. and I I think maybe there's a little something to do with conditioning. Although you'd think the teams could fix that by themselves, uh, and you know I, it's interesting. I, I think we're, we're lacking fundamentals. I don't think players know more. That's that's part of the problem because they're just doing other things. It's, it's, it's an interesting combination of things. It's not any one thing. Uh, but the league, with the, their ability to really talk to the people on the field, talk to the coaches and the players, to really look at video feed and do an analysis that we just can't do from our perspective, they have got to come up with this and they've got to do it this season for next year. Yeah, you know, like like we just talked about, you got a guy like J.J. Watt who goes down for the season. You got a guy, if you lose like an OBJ for the season, you know, that hurt. It, it That impact of that injury doesn't just affect the team. You're talking about people that write the team off and they won't go out to watch the game at the bar no more. You, it, you know, it affects a lot when, when you lose a player of that caliber. You know, there's, it's just a, a severe ripple effect throughout the economy of that team. I mean – for you, okay, so say like with the Giants, what kind of ripple effect is that? You know, not only are you losing, but to lose a major player, it's got to it's gotta crush the economy there. Of course. On, on game day. So it, it's, it's, it's tough stuff. So 515, good show, guys. We're getting ready to get out of here. Uh, we went a little bit over, but you know what? It's nice. It's a Thursday night. Uh, we got Oscar Mike Radio coming up. Draft in the Circuits is coming up. And uh, let's say our goodbyes. I'm going to start with our squid. Hey, another uh, another good week. Like I said, folks, uh, it's our obligation to go out there and have at it and fight and argue, and then let's come and hug it out when we're done. I love that. Ken? Okay, big shout-out uh, to all of our listeners, all 12 of them. To thank you, big happy birthday to my uh, cousin, John Stevens, and a colleague of mine, Josh Wood, both their birthdays today. want to thank everyone who came out from Mark Chappetta's and the Will Straw Strong Foundation event, Comedy for a Cause, we raised over $20,000 for the nice. foundation. Way nice. to go, guys. Thank guys and gals. Thank you all for coming out. And, hey, folks, guys, be safe out there. Yeah, I saw uh, Troy and Andrew driving uh, off in their van, and uh, I saw Mark was almost almost in tears. Uh, you know, it's this is a new experience for these guys. You know, they're independent. You know, they're on the road driving with themselves and – Mark's that dad left at home, you know, and I know he's going to be worried when these kids go out and hit the road. Um, it, it, but it's great. It's just great to see them living their lives. And also, to be honest, it's also great to see Troy and Andrew here with us because, you know, the life expectancy of, of someone with Duchesne is, is you know, it's very low. Um, not many live past a certain age, and Troy and Andrew have gone – Gone along, there's been some scary moments, people. You know, they, I know me and Ken, when we got a couple of calls for a couple of times there, 
Um, but again, they're there. They're doing what they're doing. They're living their life to the fullest. So God bless Troy and Andrew. God bless Mark Schapetter. And uh, good stuff. And I got to thank everybody for tuning in, hanging out with us on a Thursday night. And um, it's 5-16, Thursday night football tonight. And all I got to say is, SpongeBob, do me a favor. Take us. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning into the booth at hubazoo.com. Please make sure to tune in for more booth next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. New York Eastern Standard Time. Become a fan on their Facebook page and check out their podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One, Ken Diesel, and R Squared. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home.